0: A very blessed Mother's Day to all mothers, aunties, uh, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, great-great-grandma... God, uh, uh, Spiritual mothers, sisters who act in a motherly capacity, fathers who act like mothers, you know, all, uh, Okay, all the mother figures. Uh, now, before we begin, I just wanted to remind um, the the children that uh no sorry i want to remind us we we have our, our children with us today uh so we want to remind the children to thank your mothers today okay so if you have any kids here we are all children la okay so if you uh, if you're, you still have the the privilege of having your mothers around uh do thank them for everything that they do for you okay uh the children will be having activity packs so if Children, if you haven't received your activity pack, you you raise your hand and uh, a teacher will come and pass to you. Okay, let's pray. Father, we pray that you'll speak to us, you'll minister to us, you'll unpack your truth. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, although today is Mother's Day, we need to continue with our sermon series on 2 Samuel, or else we won't be able to transition over to Matthew in the second half of the year uh, with all the, the different special Sundays. And so it, it, it so happens that today's passage is about Absalom's betrayal, the betrayal of a child. Uh, I didn't plan, uh, I, didn't, I didn't go and purposely choose this portion and all that. Uh, I think it is a, a God-appointed passage So, although the passage that was read to us just now in chapter 15 uh, is about a biblical account of the troubles between a father and a son, I think we can learn, uh, whatever we can learn, uh, it it applies very much to any parental relationship. Okay, mothers included, definitely. So, this uh, addresses mothers in particular. But don't switch off if you're not a mother lah. Okay, so men, please continue to listen. Now, on top of the human dimension, today's passage also teaches us spiritual lessons. So it's not just about the human relationships that we experience. So the takeaway message for today is that God's unfailing love persists through our rebellion against Him. Okay, so you forget everything. It's the one thing to... Take a mental snapshot of that God's unfailing love persists through our rebellion against Him. Now, let's quickly look at the background to our passage. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, some horrible events surrounding the abuse of Tema, uh, the, the sister of Absalom, and the murder of Amnon, who is David's firstborn son. Uh, Absalom is David's son by another wife okay and so as Tema's brother uh, sorry yeah as Tamar's brother he is the one who orders the murder of Amnon his half brother. And so because of this, after the deed is done, Amnon is murdered, Absalom flees Jerusalem. okay so he runs away to Geshur which is basically another country. He stays there for three years okay so he he exiles himself he runs away because he has caused the death of his half-brother who is pretty much the crown prince okay the guy who's supposed to inherit the throne from david but even though absalom had ordered Amnon's death david longed for him okay so make a mental note of that absalom had just arranged Schemed, plotted uh, the, the killing of Amnon, who is David's son. Absalom is still David's son. And David longed for Absalom, even while he, he was uh, away okay, for three years. Uh, Joab, David's cousin and commander of his army, uh, eventually convinces David to let him bring back Absalom uh, to Jerusalem. Okay, so David agrees. He says, okay, bring him back. But even though David longs for him, uh, he he still seems to be conflicted somehow with the pain of losing Amnon. And so he doesn't meet with Absalom. He says, okay, fine, you can bring this fellow back uh, because he, he does long for him. But at the same time, don't bring him into my presence. I don't want to see him. Okay, you bring him back to the country, but uh, maybe, maybe the same kingdom, same palace, whatever, but Uh, I don't want to see him. Okay, so he's he's, uh, conflicted. Now, Absalom is angry as a result, okay, because uh, he was probably feeling that he had done nothing wrong, that he had carried out justice against Ammon, something that David's supposed to do, he didn't do. And so he he felt he didn't uh, deserve to be treated as a guilty person. And so... He was angry and he's thinking, You brought me back here to Jerusalem, now you refuse to see me. What? La? Then he demands, okay, he, he demanded to see David. Eventually, uh, he, he gets Joab's attention by burning his fields or something like that, la. okay? So, uh, eventually, he gets to see David and then there is reconciliation, okay? David kisses him and all that. But in the midst of this, seeming reconciliation, the seeds of rebellion are already there. Okay, that resentment, that anger is already there. And that brings us to today's passage in chapter 15. Now, although David reconciles with Absalom, it seems like Absalom uh, harbors a grudge against David for what had happened uh, between them. And then on top of that, you probably mix in some of Absalom's own ambitions to become king. He wants to be king. Now, since Amnon is the firstborn son of David, he's dead. The next in line to inherit the throne is the, not the firstborn, but the secondborn. Uh, is a guy named Chiliab. But the Bible lists him as one of the sons of David, and then, ta-da, no more record. We don't know what happened to the fellow. Okay? So, we, it is quite possible he might have died when he was young, lah. Okay, so he's basically out of, the, out of the picture. And so what that means is that it leaves Absalom as the thirdborn as next in line to the throne. So after Amnon is dead, now Absalom is next in line to the throne. Uh, according to the, the tradition and, and culture of the day, of those of kings of that day, uh, he would have inherited the throne. Right? Uh, but there is a record that David uh, spoke to his army and did mention his intent to hand over his kingdom to Solomon. Okay, so maybe, maybe that is what motivated Absalom to take matters into his own hands and not just wait uh, for the kingdom to come to him naturally. So Absalom puts a plan into action. He doesn't... uh, murder his father in his bed or anything like that, okay? Instead, he uses another another way, another jalan. He is a handsome person. Okay? He is a charming person. And apparently, he was extremely gifted in the art of politics. Okay? So he uses that approach instead of a, a violent approach so that he can take the kingdom and still be loved by the people uh, rather than being this, this cruel dictator, kingslayer, usurper and so absalom rides around in a chariot with horses and 50 men to run ahead of him this is how the kings traveled okay the 50 men will be like make way for the king and okay and the king is coming king is coming okay so this is our modern version okay uh, so what what do you think of when you see a, a car with a whole bunch of police outriders surrounding it peep 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 oi peep you know make way make way the first thing you think of is uh, quick follow behind uh, got space already beat the traffic no <laughs> oh, la, I know you guys don't do that la. Uh, usually what you think is oh somebody important la. okay you feel like hey uh, this big shot la. but you know it's a big shot la. okay you think it's somebody important. So, the people of Israel would have thought the same thing. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Make way for uh, this important person. They would have thought, oh, yeah, this guy must be someone important, must be like the king. And so, Absalom uh, would also pretend to care about justice. So, what he would do is he would uh, get up early he'll go to the city gate that's where they they would tend to uh, uh, listen to cases and all that and before anyone can come to the king with a case so they would you should go to the king and say I have got this got that uh, what what should I do what is your ruling your judgment okay so Absalom would go even earlier and he would say uh, you are looking for justice your justice is valid, you should deserve justice. Unfortunately, nobody here to hear you. La, the, the king is not doing his job. Okay, that's what he is suggesting. And then he said, I, if only I am a judge. He doesn't say king, uh? if only I'm a judge, but a uh, judge during that time is like ruler. La, if only I'm a judge in this land, then everybody will have their case heard. There will be justice in this land. Okay, so sounds. Uh, familiar in, in politics huh? but anyway, uh, Absalom he, he uh, plants this idea that he will bring justice if he was in charge and on top of that he would also treat them like equals Okay, so the ancient greeting of treating a, a peer uh, is to kiss them Okay, not in a romantic way or anything creepy like that but it was a cultural thing, kiss on the cheek, to say hello. Okay, uh, our modern day is like a handshake, lah, hug, lah, like that. Lah. Okay, rather than letting them bow down to him, he, he said, "Hey, no, 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 come, come, shake my hand. Come, give me a hug. Okay? Something like that. And so he is the picture of a very charismatic politician. And so after four years of this political campaign, he makes the next move and he goes to Hebron. Hebron is the city that he's born in. Hebron is also the city where David was declared king. Okay? Before David took over the throne from Saul, he was crowned king in Hebron, made king of Judah, and then eventually king of Israel. And so, keep that in mind. Huh? So, Absalom goes to Hebron. He goes with 200 guests, uh, probably officials, nobles, you know, other important people. And he arranges for people to, to sound trumpets and declare, now he is king. Absalom is king. So you imagine all this happening. Absalom is now being declared as king in the city where David was first declared king. He had gone there with 200 people who weren't in on this conspiracy, but their presence made it appear like they were supporting him. He's also loved by the people of all of Israel because of all the secret campaigning he had done for four years. On top of that, he managed to get the support of David's top advisor, a guy named Ahithophel, uh, who, who was very well respected for his wisdom. It was said that his words are like the words of God, that kind of thing. So because of all this, Absalom has already put himself in a position where he, he has all the, the the influence the popularity okay and then he declares oh i am king now so because of this david flees jerusalem he's convinced absalom will come to jerusalem and take the kingdom lah. and if he doesn't give it by uh, then he'll take it by force right he will kill him he'll kill all who are loyal to him maybe destroy jerusalem uh, how many of you remember the change of governments 2018 or just last year, 2022, right? When the results were being counted, uh, this person was saying, I got the numbers. Another person was saying, I got the numbers, right? And then you have all these reporters camping in front of Istana Negara. Uh, the Algun comes out, give them KFC, that sort of thing. Uh, throughout all these few hours or days, there's this air of uncertainty, right? That, that people don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Who will be in charge tomorrow? Who will have authority the next day? And so, if, if you remember that sort of feeling, you have an idea of the sort of sentiment in the air over Israel, over David and, and his people uh, during this time as he fled Jerusalem and Absalom tried to claim the throne for himself. But let's pause and think for a moment how David must have been feeling. This is more than just a political thing. This is more than just a power grab. This is a family issue. This is a a, a personal thing for David. And so we know he had a deep love for Absalom, not just in chapter 14 where he is longing for Absalom, Despite what he did, he also mourns greatly for Absalom when he dies in chapter 18. And so this is the sort of love that a parent has for their child, despite how the child might mistreat the parent. Now, Some of you might identify with how David uh, must have felt, whether as mothers or or, fathers or other parental figures, Maybe you've had your, your love, your concern, unappreciated or disregarded or even rejected. Uh, maybe your, your children have, have not just ignored or, or rejected your love. They've actually gone out of their way to hate you or hurt you. And so maybe each Father's Day or, or Mother's Day, it's not a celebration. Maybe it's a painful reminder of, of the... the rift that you experience with your children. And so friends, if that is your experience, then you don't just have an idea of what David was going through. You also have an idea of what God goes through. And when Jesus taught us to call God our Father, He wasn't being sexist. Okay? He, he has the, the mother-like qualities of nurture Uh, self-sacrifice, taking great care to meet every little need of their children, all these things are also present in God. They are, in fact, on display at the cross, which was necessary because of sin. And the true identity of sin is not just breaking rules, it's not just doing things that are labelled as bad. The true identity of sin is rebellion within a relationship. It is rebellion against God. And so, because all of mankind has sinned against God, we can think of God as being a parent in a family where every single one of his children are born rebellious against him. Now, think about it the majority of the world doesn't even acknowledge that he exists. But even when we do acknowledge that he exists, there are so many times when we ignore him, when we don't take him seriously. When we insist on doing things our way according to our schedule, we don't trust him to know what's best for us. We constantly question him because we don't trust what we don't understand. Or we purposely do the opposite of what he tells us to do. Uh, all the parents here, you know these are parents' worst nightmare. Lah, okay? And so when there is such a rebellion against a parent... What happens to the relationship between the parent and the child? Uh, we know from David, at least, he was absolutely devastated. He, he's so severely affected by the rebellion of his son. He was wounded. He was grieved. Uh, we, we, he, he hurt because of what Absalom had done. We also know that there was now this hostility uh, from Absalom towards David. And this hostility kept them apart. Uh, Absalom was trying to kill David, and, and that's why David had to leave and be apart from Absalom. And those of you who have estranged relationships with your children know how difficult it is to remain in relationship when there is unrepentant rebellion especially if the child is the one who is keeping you away and so friends if any of you in such uh, are in such a situation whether it's between you and god or whether it's between you and your children i don't say all this to depress you okay i say this to give you hope because god has given us the example of his unfailing love and so we know that there is Uh, It is possible, it is possible for love to persevere and even triumph, even if there is constant rebellion. Uh, Even though we were spiritually rebellious children, we are assured that God's love for us never wavers. There's a line in the Holy Communion order that strikes a chord with many of us. And I, I know this because every time I read that portion, I can tell there's a shift in all of our body language. Uh, heads are nodding, heads are bowing. People are like, mm. yeah, there, there's, a, there's a difference. And it's taken, this line is taken from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's read it together. But God demonstrates His love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, what this means is that while we were still rebellious children, while we still counted ourselves enemies against Him, while we did not want to come back to Him, God continued loving us. And He put that love on display by sending His only Son to die for us. Even before we repented, even before we said sorry, or anything that we we would expect of a, a a rebellious child coming back, right? And so some of you might be able to identify with this: that you continue to love your children even as they rebel in various ways. And of course, it's a very conflicting feeling, especially as uh, because we are imperfect in how we mirror God. God has His perfect unfailing love. Uh, we, we are imperfect in how we mirror Him. There is pain, there is grief, there is also anger, there is bitterness, there is resentment sometimes. But at the end of the day, there is still a longing for your children like how David longed for Absalom. And after sifting through our hurts, our sorrows, our pride, our anger, we eventually long for reconciliation and restoration with our children. We wish for the relationship to be restored. And so friends, that is how God longs for all who still keep Him at arm's length, those who have yet to repent, those who have yet to seek Him. That is the longing that He has. He's like a parent who yearns for reconciliation with their children, Now the popular story that is usually used to describe this sort of parental love for the the uh, rebellious child is usually the story of the prodigal son right but that story is about a son who goes and squanders his you know he demands his inheritance basically wishing that his father is dead he goes he gambles his fortune away basically Okay, and goes to Genting, and then uh, no more money already. Come back. Uh, he comes back to the father. He is humble. He is seeking him. But today's passage takes it one step further. When we see what Absalom does to David, he doesn't stop. Uh, he he doesn't stop uh, with this trying to drive his father out of the kingdom and take his throne. He wants to hunt down his father and kill him. He even sleeps with his father's concubines in a tent on the roof so everyone can see him doing this power move. Back then, it was a, 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 a thing lah, that you want to uh, usurp your, uh, your your father's position, uh, take their possessions, you, you sleep with their concubines. So, he, he even does all that and it fulfills the prophecy that Nathan made. And despite All this that Absalom does, unrepentant, David continues loving him and being concerned for his well-being. Look at uh, chapter 18. So this is three chapters down the line. Uh, He tells his army to be gentle with Absalom, the guy who is hunting him down and trying to kill him the guy who has made him have to go on the run again after all those years on the run from Saul. He tells his army, be gentle with him. And when he's given the news that they have won the war, the civil war, David's first words to the messenger, is the young man Absalom safe? Not how many casualties do we have? Uh, Is the kingdom intact? Do the people still like me? is the young man, Absalom. He's basically the instigator of all this. Is he safe? And when he finally hears of Absalom's death, he weeps. He laments. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And instead of great victory, the army uh, turned it into a day of mourning because they saw how greatly he mourned. How great how greatly he grieved. And they stole into the city. So they, they, they sneaked into the city without any fanfare or, or, or you know, any victory trumpets. Uh, yay, we won the war. They sneaked in as though they had defe- been defeated or they had fled from battle. And so this is the picture of God's love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I said before that there is hope, not just in our relationship with God, but also our relationships with our children. Because if there is hope for us, even after we've rebelled against God in so many ways, why shouldn't there be hope for our children? I know what you're thinking. La, we're not God, but we are called to love, like how God loved. And we might not be perfect in how we love. But that is the standard that Jesus set for His followers. And he didn't set us up to fail with an impossible standard. He gave a helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide us and help us to produce the fruit that makes loving others like how God loves us possible. And so we might not be able to control how our children respond to our love, But the example of Jesus is to love the rebellious continually and make reconciliation possible. Not that we are able to magically produce it, but we make it possible by not adding to the fire, building more barriers meaning that we do everything on our part to break any barriers that might still be standing in the way of reconciliation, they may not respond. We do our part. Our own hurt, our own pride, our own anger, we can deal with those things. And we extend the same undeserved love to them as Jesus extended to us. And so this Mother's Day, we, are, uh, we, we celebrate, right? We are thankful for all the good and healthy relationships between mothers and mother figures with their children. But at the same time, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray for hope for the relationships that have been broken and are hurting. And may we all respond to God's unfailing love as His children whom He loves no matter what, we have done. And so i like you to know that God's unfailing love persists through our every rebellion against Him. I'd like you to be spiritual children who respond to God's love, and humility, and repentance. And do identify with the love of Christ. Love like how He loved us. Even while those whom we love might still reject it. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You that You set the example of love. We thank You that we do not love according to the world's love. We do not love according to how much we feel we want to love but Lord you set the standard of love a love that persists through rebellion a love that persists even when it is rejected and so Lord we pray especially for mothers and mother figures parental figures that might have estranged relationships with your children Lord we just ask for healing sometimes it's so complicated it's so complex and messy after so many years we don't know where to start but lord i just pray that holy spirit you will convict the hearts not just of the children but also the mothers the parents help them not to know where to start where to start building bridges where to start breaking down walls and Lord, would you, would, we'll be encouraged by the example of those who do love like how you love. Those who have taken that courage, those who have been blessed with experiencing a, a good and healthy relationship between children. Will we be inspired by those examples? Not discouraged, not jealous, but aspiring to the full life that you promise in Christ Jesus. We pray, Lord, for everyone, whether parent or child who might be hurting. We pray for your healing. We pray for your comfort. We pray that you will fill their need for love that is reciprocated. We pray that you will give them your shalom, your peace in the midst of strife and rebellion we pray all this in jesus name amen